Hey everybody, this is Greg Pedix, and you're listening to the 18th issue of Fantasy Comic Book Editor League. Um, last episode, we rounded out the 60s, and uh, today we're going to talk about 1970 in the fake history of an imaginary comic book universe that I am the owner and editor-in-chief of. So, um, of course, once again, I have to backtrack a little. I wanted to say something about uh, in the 60s. Um, in 1960, we introduced Amazing Spotlight, which would be our general showcase title. Um, one shots, maybe like little story arcs, four issues featuring characters within the Amazing Comics universe who don't have their own title. Um, maybe even villains would have a little story. I like that idea. Uh, actually, uh, talking about the villains as three-dimensional characters. And they actually have um, interesting stories. That's one thing in the Amazing Comics Universe. Uh, definitely want to... Uh, I think uh, Comics Universe is much better if uh, all the villains are just as inter- interesting as the heroes. Or they have plenty of backstory and complex motivations and things like that. So ever since the beginning of this universe, we'll have villains like that. So they won't just be guys who are like, I want to blow up the world for no good reason. I'm crazy, or I'm really strong, and I like to beat up superheroes. They'll be interesting characters in their own right. So um, so Amazing Spotlight will be featuring just uh, definitely fleshing out the universe in a nice way, because a little character might pop up in some comic, one of the superhero comics, and then if people like him, he'll get his own little, like, maybe three-issue run in Amazing Spotlight. And because uh, we can't publish... 78 titles a month um but we can at least give these guys a little uh spotlight if you will but i also wanted to say that um kind of a semi-recurring characters we're gonna pop in and out um they just don't uh we don't have room to give them their own title yet at least they might in the future decades in fact i know they will because i actually know the future of this universe i'm not only uh omni omnipowerful i'm omniscient and uh, I meant to say om- omnipotent. But, um, yeah, so uh, two of the features. Uh, Hercules, if you remember, was uh, pretty much our Golden Age character. Uh, featuring amazing tales all throughout the 40s, telling all of his classic mythological tales. Um, the, uh, Hercules is basically, uh, even though he's not, the Greek gods aren't as strong, because nobody really believes in them anymore. But he's still eternal, and he's still pretty fucking strong. And so he's been alive this whole time, all through the centuries, getting into many crazy adventures. Nobody knows this because he's kind of incognito because, you know, he doesn't want people recognizing him. Some old uh, gods he used to have feuds with or devils or demons. But he's uh, been in many, many adventures. So we could be telling all these stories of Hercules fucking in the the Old West. Hercules in the the days of... uh, you know, the Chinese emperors and just all kinds of fun stuff. You know, Hercules fighting samurai in uh, Tokugawa era Japan. So um, that would be something that just pops in and out. Every time we have a good little story, Hercules will come back in Amazing Spotlight, focus on a little story arc in a different time period. Uh, Another thing, uh, another feature that I kind of wanted to, I figure could pop in and out is... um, uh, Tempest Fugitives and the Tempest Fugitives are j- just a bunch of uh, 
literary characters that we've introduced in Amazing Tales for the past few decades. And every now and then, there'll be a rotating group. And the idea behind that is uh, uh, Amazing Tales, even uh, for the past 10 years or so, even longer, we've had this time-traveling character. He doesn't have his own title, but he is... That's his power. He can travel through time. Basically, so he can pop up in all these disparate uh, titles that take place in other times. So, you know, he could hang out with uh, the Crimson Knight and uh, he can hang out with Gunhawk in the Old West or with Sergeant Hawk in World War II. Every now and then he'd pop up. He's just our character. You know, people get excited when he shows up. Oh, Voyager's back. Where's he going to pop up next? So the idea of Tempest Fugitives is Voyager rounds up a bunch of characters from time. So he could have like Gilgamesh's friends, Enkidu and Robin Hood and uh, I don't know, Natty Bumpo and uh, Roland, Sir Roland uh, from the Song of Roland. Just all these characters could be together. Ivanhoe and uh, he could um, have them go on adventures throughout time. So it would just be a crazy, fun comic. Um, it's just, yeah, I'd never get t- tired of stories. We're going to eventually give them a title in the, I believe, in the 90s of their own. Because there's a lot of stories you could tell about those guys. So uh, that's Tempest Fugitives and Hercules. They'll be an amazing spotlight all throughout the 60s and 70s and perhaps 80s. In between stories of uh, various amazing comics, superheroes, and or supervillains who don't have their own title but have yet have an interesting story to tell. Yet they too have their story, as uh, Leonard Moy once said. Um, even the Dolladeg don't do. So, let's get into 1970, shall we? So, the new title for 1970, not that exciting, but um, it, it's Amazing Team-Up. And, uh, yeah, you get what it's all about from the title. I was a kid. I loved those team-up titles. I loved Marvel Team-Up, Marvel 2-in-1, DC Comics Presents. They were always fun because they always feature some random character who you haven't seen in years who never is going to get his own title. So it would be like Spider-Man with uh, Angar the Screamer or, I don't know, Wood God. So it's a nice way for... uh, these little random characters to get a shot at the limelight by teaming up with the main hero. Of course, we have our version of Spider-Man, Coyote, and uh, I figure it's going to be Coyote teaming up with various people. Of course, some issues, it might just be two other guys teaming up, but mostly it'll be Coyote, because I like the idea of a Coyote having a second title, because it'll basically be like the continuity will flow within it, Within and without his own title, Amazing Team-Up will almost be like a second Coyote title, but everyone will have a cool guest star getting involved in his adventures. I like this idea because there's something else, really nerdy thing I wanted to talk about. In the Amazing Comics universe, um, I just wanted to talk about how people age uh, like in real time. It's always a pain in the ass in comics where every 20 years they have to kind of reboot everything. Because, you know, like, for example, the Fantastic Four. Um, oh, I'm sorry. A better example. Iron Man. He was in the Vietnam during the Vietnam conflict of the 60s. That's where he got his powers. 
Um, so now that would mean that he's got to be at least like 70 years old. So they keep having to change his origin. In the Amazing Comics universe, um, we're going to just basically, people are going to age real. Might be problematic. We'll have all these older heroes, middle-aged guys. But there'll also be some of our heroes, our eternal guys like Thor or, you know, um, you know, uh, Beowulf. Beowulf can't die, so he's going to be around vital and youthful forever. Um, and then, you know, maybe some of these characters will be retired. Someone else will pick up the mantle. Just like, uh, you know, Green Lantern Hal Jordan went away. And uh, I don't even know what Kyle Rayner, that was his name. That little turd took over Green Lantern. So, you know, that could happen. Maybe people will be bored of the character after 25 years, the, the alter ego, and say, yeah, let a new guy be Coyote. But I also figure while Coyote's young, it'll be good to get more stories out of him because he is like, that's his whole shtick. He's the youthful, wisecracking superhero <clears throat> that young people can identify with. So now with Amazing Team Up, you'll have twice as many Coyote adventures a month. So that's the 1970 title. Um, uh, like I said last time, uh, Amazing Tales, I'm not going to tell you everything anymore about what's going on with it. Use your imagination. Thousand and One Nights by Nino still going. Uh, Dracula still going by Alcazar. Maybe Sinbad still going by Rudy Nibras. But um, I just wanted to say, though, uh, at around this time, late 60s, early 70s, whatever title I can think of, which I'm not going to think of, if you can think of it, I want Esteban Morato to draw. Because that guy was fucking great. Another one of those amazing Spanish artists. Actually, probably one of my favorite. All those <clears throat> Spanish artists who came over and drew for Warren magazines. Uh, like Creepy and Eerie and Vampirella. Just uh, amazing. Really good stuff. And uh, so there's something to think about. So um, another... We actually have another new title premiering in 1970. And this is going to be kind of outside of everything. So it's going to be the first magazine, well, comics magazine, from Amazing Comics Group. And this would basically be like this full color, well, with some black and white, um, you know, 96-page magazine coming out every month with basically the best comics in the world. So uh, imagine if Heavy Metal magazine was fused with, uh, you know, like the editor's choice from the comics journal. So it would have like Richard Corbin would be in it, would have uh, reprints of Mobius stuff from France, maybe new stuff and, and Joulet and, you know, doing some of the, Lone Wolf and Cub shit from Japan, some great manga, whatever was going around at the time. I think Lone Wolf and Cub was already around then. I'm pretty sure. And just all these great comics from around the world. Of course, homegrown talent too. You know, weird experimental stories from Alex Toth. Maybe even get guys like Jules Pfeiffer in there. Will Eisner drawing nice little short stories in his uh, New York City milieu that he always likes to draw on and feature stories in. Just let your imagination go wild. You know, maybe we'd, you know, lots of covers by Frank Frazetta, 
all the best artists, Richard Corbin. Um, this is basically, if there's a good artist around then, a brilliant artist, that wouldn't necessarily work for a four-color comic, monthly comic. But um, we're going to have them in zero. And that's just going to be a beautiful magazine, the best stories and art in the world of stuff. Maybe there'd be some classic reprints of old stuff. Uh, of course, we've already reprinted almost all the good shit in our comics and introduced it. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be zero. So that's going to be kind of outside the Amazing Comics universe. I won't be talking about it much. It's just going to be chugging along every month with beautiful fucking stuff. All the best artists. Bernie writes and, you know, pretty soon Mike Kaluta, Jeff Jones, all these great artists who are too slow and too meticulous to do a monthly normal superhero-type comic or even a horror comic. But they have great little short stories. I'm trying to think of other stuff I could have in there. But, uh, yeah, maybe even, like, Jack Kirby will come up with some weird, crazy shit where he wants to let go. It would be kind of uh, very ecumenical. All kinds of comics. But basically, they'd all be good. That's the, the one thing about them. So, I think that's it for 1970. And uh, I think I can go on to 1971. This might be a long episode, though. So, um, 1971, we got a new title. And it's not a new title. I couldn't even think of a better name for this one, for the doppelganger that I wanted to rip off from the real world. But I figure, fuck it. Jack Kirby's been working for us since, like, the 40s. So... All of his ideas are our ideas now. He, instead of making this shit for DC and Marvel, he would have made it for us. So 1971 starts The New Gods by Jack Kirby. Uh, if you've read The New Gods saga by Jack Kirby, uh, a DC comic, early 70s. I'm sorry, it was really four comics, though, that all interlinked. Uh, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen set the groundwork. That's where he created Dark Side and all the New Gods concepts. And then New Gods, the flagship title, and then Forever People and Mr. Miracle. All interrelated, all with the same villain and uh, struggle to be fought. Um, really great stuff. Kirby finally getting to write his own stuff all by himself. Sometimes his dialogue was a little kooky, but man, it was really good. There was nothing quite like it. And his art was going off the rails at that time, even though it was hobbled by shitty inkers, because he worked for DC Comics. That's who put these out. And DC Comics doesn't give a shit about artists and creators. And they put fucking Vince Coletta on him again, who erased half of his shit. That guy's a fucking turd. Lazy motherfucker. So, uh, and then... um you know, just stupid editorial dictates and, you know, and they basically shit-canned it after a few years and before he could finish. And the thing with New Gods is, like, just Kirby is just crapping out ideas. It's just like he can't slow down. So even though he only got, like, maybe 15 issues out of each of these titles, roughly, if you average them out, 6, 17, it's like, man, there's, like, world-building in there that, like, enough for, like, 200 comics. Most comics creators wouldn't shed that many ideas in a 200 issues of a comic. But Jack Kirby did. And because in my universe, he publishes it with amazing comics. So he's going to just get to do what he wants, 
Though we're going to have strong editors saying, like, Jack, slow down. You got a lot of time. Come on, develop this shit before you move on. So uh, I still believe that you need some guys need an editor. And Jack Kirby, I think, did. But as far as creativity, sorry, creatively, we will not be stifling him and let him tell the story he wants for a long time. Of course, this is going to be the first uh, comic since the Golden Age that's going to be, and uh, other than our uh, annuals, that's going to be 64 pages. Our annuals are 80 pages. This is going to be 64 pages every month. Why? Because Jack Kirby could easily draw 64 pages every month. Um, he won't be drawing the New Gods feature anymore. And uh, he won't be drawing the Furies. So basically, every month, Jack Kirby is just going to be devoting himself to telling this sprawling saga that's going to go on for a while. And maybe, you know, some issues will have like three different stories. He'll focus on one character. And whatever he wants to do, it'll just be this... Uh, amazing tapestry telling this new mythology for the 20, 20th century and beyond. So I'm excited about that. It's uh, basically righting the wrong of our our universe. In, our, in my universe, Jack Kirby got to make the new guys and it got to keep going. And uh, no shitty fucking Carmen Infantino cunt, you know, fudged the numbers and said, oh, we can't publish these. So, um, I'm not Carmine Infantino. Let me tell you, I'm much better. So, 1971, we got some artist switcheroos. And, uh, so, where do we go from here? So, because Jack Kirby is now no longer drawing the Furies, Neil Adams is going to take over the Furies. That's going to be fucking great. Um, once again, echoing our universe, when Neil Adams uh, did his little run on the Avengers in the early 70s, that was some sweet stuff. Neil Adams was great at drawing every superhero, even superheroes he never drew before. When he drew them, it was the best interpretation of the hero you've ever seen. So just a group superhero comic where Neil Adams is drawing, all the characters look amazing. It's going to be some fucking fun shit. I mean, those are going to be... God, I wish I could read those. Those are going to be really good. And um, I haven't really talked about the theory as much, but like I said, it's all the heavy hitters kind of together. Um, I figure like maybe Coyote would have dropped out pretty early on. He's kind of a loner hero, you know, just like Spider-Man. Maybe he might have just been in the first few issues and been like, sorry, guys, this isn't for me. But in the intervening years, I do have the idea that Amazon would kind of become their like Captain America. Because she's like a fucking barbarian soldier warrior. So she knows uh, tactics and strategy. And, you know, she grew up in this very harsh world. So she's basically grown up in a boot camp her whole life. So she's basically a good leader. And uh, she could be their Sergeant Fury. Or I should say Sergeant Hawk in our universe. So, uh, yeah, Fury's by Neil Adams. Very, very excited. Um, so that he's going to leave Night Ranger, uh, our Batman knockoff. And, uh, who's going to take that over? Jim Aparo. Uh, Jim Aparo did many great years on Batman and Brave and the Bold. He probably drew more pages of Batman than any other artist. Well, uh, okay. I don't know about that. that. That was off the top of my head. But he did a lot. So, um... So I believe he was drawing Captain Action, if I'm not mistaken. So he's going to leave that. 
And this one I'm excited about. A new member of our family. Um, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez is uh, going to be joining us finally. This guy, Garcia Lopez, as he's known, you know, the, for a long time, that was his uh, nom de plume. I guess his name was too long. But um, Lopez was never like a hot artist. Never like the. I don't even think the comic book price guide even listed his name as like, hey, special issue, Lopez. But he was so good. He's like an artist artist. Every cartoonist loves him. Every comics fan loves him. He drew Superman for years. Just made Superman look so great. And then all through the, up to the 90s, throughout the 90s, he was just still top of his game. Everything he drew, so appealing, his style. And um, around this time, he starts getting into American comics. So maybe it'd be a little rough to start. But uh, of course, with our, you know, we pay him good, so he's not going to have to hack it out. He's not going to have to search other work and, uh, you know, at uh, night and uh, dilute his talents. So he's going to take over Captain Action. And that's just going to be a damn good superhero comic with uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez there. That's going to be some nice stuff. So uh, then... Now we have, uh, now I'm confused where we were. Oh, yeah. So we're going to have a, another switcheroo. So Jim Starenko, who introduced our Mandroid character a few years back, he's leaving it. And he's going to be taking over Thor. So imagine all those Jack Kirby semi-psychedelic Asgardian vistas that were so amazing. Imagine what Starenko could do with that shit. Just the making Asgard in his own image. All that crazy god stuff. I just think it would basically let Starenko's imagination run wild. And it's going to be fucking beautiful. Jim Starenko drew on Thor. All the gods. Um, you know, when he comes to Earth to do normal superior shit, Starenko's going to do that great too. Oh god, that's, that would be a good comic. So, because of that, now Mandroid needs an artist, and that's going to be Steve Ditko. He's going to take over Mandroid once again. I'm, I have a positive imagination. In our world, Steve Ditko created Machine Man for Marvel Comics in the 70s and early 80s. And uh, so Mandroid's kind of like Machine Man as far as his powers. I just figure Steve Ditko would be a damn good comic. Just his, like... Those amazing pages. Steve Ditko was the master of just like choreographing fight scenes. And, you know, Mandroid with his fucking telescoping limbs and shit. Just like a machine man. It would be good stuff. A good home for Ditko for a few years, I think. And now he's left Starhawk because of that to take over Mandroid. So, taking over Starhawk from Steve Ditko is Rudy Nebrez. The, the amazing Filipino artist who's been drawing... Um, our Sinbad feature in Amazing Tales all these years. So I guess that's definitely a sign that Sinbad's over, at least by 71. So um, Rudy Nebrez, like I said before, really beautiful artist. Uh, God, him drawing like a superhero sci-fi comic, well, sci accent on the sci-fi, Starhawk, that's going to be a beautiful fucking comic. Uh, perfect casting. Rudy Nebrez doing Starhawk. I like it. I'm into it. And uh, 
So, that takes care of January 1971. Big year for us. Getting new gods in. 64 pages every month. That's going to be killer. That's just going to be a damn good comic. But I'm, I think, even more excited about the Amazing Tales annual for 1971. And that is going to be Gilgamesh. And the basically the first epic, the Babel, I'm sorry, Mesopotamian, Babylonian, whatever, you know, the first epic myth, myth tale. And, uh, and who am I going to get to draw Gilgamesh? Oh, God, you're, you're going to come in your pants. Richard Corbin, Richard Corbin coming over to mainstream comics, which he never did in our universe until like at least the late 90s. But, you know, Amazing Comics is smart enough to be like, this guy's the best artist fucking working in comics. Um, he doesn't have to draw tits and, you know, penises flailing about. He can tone it down for our comics, which are going to be on newsstands. He's just the best fucking comic artist ever. Um, one of them. So Richard Corbin drawing the savage world of Gilgamesh with all the crazy shit going on and Enkidu and... Oh, man, perfect fit, Richard Corbin doing that shit. So I'm happy about that. Also, I wanted to mention I was uh, looking at some of Richard Corbin's underground comics from the early 70s and some other artists who did color comics for the undergrounds. And it's amazing how they had newsprint paper. I imagine they had cheaper printing than Marvel and DC, or at least not the connections to be able to do better printing. And their coloring is so much better than Marvel and DC. Like, they were doing layers and almost like airbrush effects. Things that we wouldn't see in comics until the 80s with the advent of, like, you know, Baxter paper and uh, just, you know, better paper stocks. This was on newsprint, and these guys figured it out. And yet, Marvel and DC, none of those comic companies took notice and said, hey, why don't we try this? Maybe it'll cost a little more, but man, it looks a lot better, and I think kids would like it. People would like it, but nobody did. It's so fuck. It boggles the imagination how that happened. So of course, around this time, thanks to guys like Richard Corbin, amazing colorist, probably maybe even a better colorist than he was an artist. I love his art so much. People love Richard Corbin, but his colors were just. People today still look at his stuff and don't know how he did it with the you know pre digital. Um, techniques at his uh, disposal. So because of that, ar- around this time, Amazing Comics, the whole line, we're going to be having better color. We're going to be able to let these artists like do their shit way better. And because remember, we own our own printing plants. We can, it wouldn't even cost us much to just retool them a little and say, hey, from now we can do this. Maybe we just have a guy who, color specialists there experiments with getting the best color because we can afford to because we're not paying a printer to print our comics we're printing our comics with no middleman so that's just something i wanted to bring up something that would be different about the amazing comics uh compared to all the other comics on the stands of course they probably would up their game and match it but uh we'd be leading the field once again because that's what amazing comics does quality is job one with us and uh I'm trying to think of other slogans for Amazing Comics, but I can't. Um, Where's the beef? Uh, Pizza, pizza. Um, But no, quality is job one is more apropos when it comes to Amazing Comics because that's what we do. 
it's not about making a billion dollars and you know selling our shares in the stock market and selling underoos with our characters on them. It's putting out the best damn comics in the world. And I think by doing that, we would have done quite well financially. And uh, I forgot I'm supposed to be living in this fantasy universe when I do this podcast. So we are doing quite well, even now in 2020. Thank you very much. Okay, that's it for the 18th issue of the Fantasy Comic Book Editor League. If you have any comments or if you want to share your comic book fantasies with me, please send me a text at 503-880-4545. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, I'll see you next time. Good night.